Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. Recorded live from the lobby of the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. Hey, thank you so much, man. That's really cool. Thank you, thanks. I love you guys. Thank you. Thank you, man. I, I know you guys, I'll try to go quick. I, my speech is too long, so I'll try to breeze through it. And I love you. Just in case they cut me off, I love you to my wife and to my kids and I, my family, and I love you. Hello, and welcome to the Sun Cinema Podcast, a weekly radio show that examines the highs and lows of the medium of film through the filtered lens of Washington, D.C.'s only privately owned art house cinema, Suns. Hi, I'm your host, Jason Cauley, and I'm here with my co-hosts, as always, uh, and the Suns proprietors, David Cabrera and Ryan Hunter-Mitchell. Gentlemen. Hi. David, David made it. You got, <laughs> David made it. <laughs> I guess as soon as we sat down, there was, we got a delivery at Suns. He had to run back. Uh, it's too bad it? we didn't get that on air, you know, again. <laughs> like, how many times <laughs> have we got it on air that David's had to go run? And Sorry, David's got to leave. a long sigh. And like, oh. uh, what, was that Adam Sandler's Oscar award speech? It was, was not. <laughs> One might think it would be, but it was not. Uh, this is an incentive to listen to the rest of the show, or at least skip to the end of the show. At <laughs> yeah. the end of the show, we are going to play the entirety of Adam Sandler's uh, Indie just, Spirit yeah. Award speech for... He won uh, Best Lead Actor at the Indie Spirit Awards, and his speech, I think it was a day before the Oscars or two days before right, the Oscars. Right, I think the day before, yeah. Um, and Indie Spirit Awards killed this year. They were yeah, great. Yeah, loaded uh, up. We, we've kind of been, I've been floating this conspiracy that A24 was actually snubbing the Oscars, and I really, I think, let's I've, just go through some quick little things about the Indie Spirit Awards. A24 had like 18 nominations. It ended up winning uh, Best Picture with The Farewell. Yep. Um, Uncut Gems got, I think, Best Director for the Safety Brothers, maybe even Best Screenplay, uh, and it got Best Actor. Um, the Lighthouse was up for the... I mean, A24 kind of dominated, uh, aside from Marriage Story and a few other things that ended right. up winning pretty well, A24 kind of dominated the Indie Spirit Awards. And I think that's where they put all, you know, all their energy into this year. And I think it would have paid off even bigger if the Oscars hadn't done an okay job this year. Yeah, yeah. How about those Oscars, huh? Um, <laughs> I, uh, we you know, do this every year and we talk about it and make these predictions and all this stuff. And so many people this year were making predictions more than ever. Um, and I'd like breeze through them once I'd made my predictions and I began getting very nervous <laughs> over the weekend because uh, it's, yeah, it's just bragging rights and stuff. But we go over to someone's <laughs> house and everybody votes and we do this whole thing. And I've won it for the last like four years uh, since we've been doing it. And so this year I was like, as you know, if you listen to the podcast, our last podcast preceding the, uh, the awards, I was like, oh, Parasite's going to win Best Picture. And... I got really shaky uh, Saturday <laughs> or Sunday afternoon before the Oscars was everybody picked 1917, like everybody. And I was like, oh, no. So I went into the, you know, to the uh, viewing party and basically made an announcement early on. Like either I'm going to crush this thing across the board or I'm going to leave here with like 
you know, five things right out of 25 <laughs> nominations or whatever. And, uh, well, yeah, yeah, luckily the Oscars got it right. Yeah, also, Did I you think... Win? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you had us convinced a week before, because I was definitely in that boat. I'm like, they're going to just go with 1917. They don't want to give it to a foreign language picture or a Netflix movie. Right. They got this war movie. But I think a week... Be- I think if the Oscars had been a month before, it would have been 1917. But I think Hollywood press was just giving so much shit to the Academy. Like, you cannot pick 1917 this year. Right. You got a good year. Um, but I think you said it. Like, either you were going to win uh, or this was going to be the last Oscars viewing party. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it truly was. I, I felt like if they can't do this this year, then, you know, it's over. I mean, they've lost any sense of relevance. Not that they have a ton now. but sure. But at least they woke up and said, hey, you know what? It's inarguable. That this, if we're comparing things, you know, and I know it's hard to compare art and all this crap, but, you know, if we're doing this, and we are, then there's one movie above uh-huh. everyone that was critically acclaimed would be a nice way to put it, or a soft way yeah. to put it, and had an American audience transfixed, had an international audience transfixed. Um, yeah, I mean, everyone that- agreed this was the best picture. You know, and the numbers were great. It was doing great worldwide. Oh, sure, it's, it's near thirty million domestically, which is great. Yeah, for a foreign film, are you kidding? Yeah, uh, is that the highest uh, international film? Sorry, yeah. uh, I don't know. I'd have to look that up. Yeah. Thanks for giving me that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, also within that last month, I mean, it just kept going. Like it kept oh, playing. Yeah. That the you know we talked about how like. There was some back and forth about us being able to show it, and, and that was based around the fact that no one anticipated it staying in theaters that long. Because it, so it was just since October, right? Yeah, and it just kept right. getting more and more hype, and more and more people were seeing it and loving it. And, uh, and yeah. AFI was putting out a black and white release the weekend before. Yeah. Like, or the weekend of? Yeah. Yeah. Either way. Or either one, yeah. The, it just... It had legs. It kept on going. Yeah, it never really left the theater in a way. You know, yeah. it just it kept hanging around. Um, and then, of course, once the nominations came out and all of that, it you know got that hype again. Uh, so yeah, timing wise, it just couldn't have been better. Um, yeah. Well, and it's already on demand. I oh, think yeah, it's already yeah, no, on no, DVD. No. You, you could buy it uh, on Amazon, you know, yeah. the weekend, the week before the Oscars. So, I mean, like, it, it timed out yeah. very nicely. Well, this is kind of interesting. It just had its second best weekend, though, after oh. the Oscars. Oh, got, like, I don't doubt a, it, yeah. You know, had a... Because everybody one. that didn't go now feels like, well, hell, what have I missed? You know, now they're all rushing out. And it's great to see something that still is pulling people into the movie theater, oh, even yeah, when they man. can... I, I know exciting. people who were excited to go watch it at home like oh good it's out now i can't really get a free night for the theater etc it's great that it's sure. out but also i saw a lot of people going to see it or or even a friend of the pod brandon gertz for his illustration class he screened it had people illustrate stuff from it mm. and a lot of his class you know this is at a community college maybe people care or don't about movies sure. and a lot of them were like i need to go see this on the big screen Nice. Like they That's wanted cool. to go see it again. Uh, just to answer your question, Dave, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon in 2000 did over 100. Damn. That's the best. That's a lot. Yeah. So. Noted. Yeah, I guess that was a big, a pretty big breakout. That was one of the big, first big foreign international films I saw. Did Tarantino put something behind that? Did he? I think Wu-Tang did. Did they? No, I don't know. I don't <laughs> think they did on that one. Man with the Iron Fist. I think, well, Wu-Tang. also. Well, I know Tarantino, Tarantino is like, 
presented by there's a lot oh, of like, yeah, stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, no, no, there's know, a lot that of that t- stuff. It era, wasn't but, that. That okay. was Angley and that whole crew, you know. Cool. Yeah, I think yeah, um, Crouching Tiger just kind of whatever it was caught people right. Um, I watched that movie high a lot. I remember <laughs> <laughs> like the scene where they're like dancing on the trees. I started oh, saying, yeah, yeah. Like, all the, uh, <laughs> yeah, all the wire so nice. stuff on that was <laughs> yeah. really good choreography. Um, okay, so Bong Joon Ho, uh, let's. Uh, sorry, this is old news for everyone who's probably has the internet and even <laughs> pays if you attention didn't, at all. Yeah, even if you didn't watch the Oscars, if you're you prob- able to listen to this. Yeah. You probably <laughs> you probably saw Bong Joon Ho just hanging out with all his Oscar statues, and the like the best one of him making them kiss. So good, wonderful, and uh, there's a little <laughs> video of. Um, he and Renee Zellweger uh, at the bar. Have you seen this? Oh, no, I haven't seen oh, this. Oh, he's, he's just there with a stack of like five Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> Renee's got her Oscar, and they're just hanging her out. Her second Oscar, by the way. Yeah, they're just getting sloshed at the bar. And someone's just filming it on you know their iPhone or whatever. Right. And because these phones are so good now, the whole thing looks cinematic. It looks like you're like in part of The Godfather. You're just like a, oh. just someone shooting them at the bar, and it looks beautiful just them with their oscars <laughs> just so chumming it up <laughs> uh so bong joon ho's queen for a day yeah got us three oscars and um yeah i mean deservedly and and can go do whatever he wants what is he not going to do yeah well it seems like he's not going to do marvel right which i think he's hinted at before yeah yeah i remember reading something i don't know a few months ago where he was they'd ask him a marvel i think what had ended up happening this was when scorsese put it down they reached out to him for comment and he said you know hey i think they're fine all forms of entertainment have their place blah 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 and they were like well would you ever direct Uh a marvel and he's like no i have a fear of spandex yeah he doesn't (laughs) like tight clothes (laughs) right exactly so that's his number. I mean, you talk about like a, a great answer to that question. I mean, he has you know? great takes kind of on everything. Oh, that's it, right? Like his he's whole, just so well prepared. His whole for thing this. for doing a black and white thing was like, yeah, all the classics are in black and white. Right. Yeah, <laughs> so just I'll these just easy answers. Yeah. <laughs> you know the classics. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't uh, doesn't need to say a lot. Um, right. hey, but but with the Scorsese thing, he kind of did bridge it well because he yeah. he did also he kind of paid. No, but no, yeah, I'm, I'm totally right, 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 yeah. But also, right, I'm, I'm shortening his his yeah, comment yeah. for sure. Yeah, he definitely like um, played into to Scorsese's comments as well. You know, yeah. giving giving them validation before he kind of you know dismissed it as just being scared of you know, spandex. Here's IndieWire reporting: Bong Joon Ho won't go Marvel after Parasite success. We aren't suitable for each other. I don't think Marvel would ever want a director like me. <laughs> Says as Parasite nears thirty million at the U.S. box office. Yeah, um, and I think that's. I think it's good. It seems like he might go into TV. It sounds like HBO's really itching to do a Parasite adaptation. Yeah, no, yeah. I think there's already things there in the works for sure. Um, who knows, man? I mean, I used to just like they used to always tick me off, but I think there are some case studies where you could say, you know, I mean, just. TV's so good. The money's so good there now. I mean, it's not like you're going to lose production value or anything like that. And if he's directly involved, I mean, I'm I'm game to give it a shot. I'm not saying it's. Yeah, I guess if he was involved, 
Yeah, I mean, he's just I, like, I think it's a continuation or extension of that storyline, you know, a little bit. So we'll see what it's just like a reality out. show about living in the basement. <laughs> yeah, right. right. <laughs> also, do you see two things? Uh, Criterion is putting out Parasite and oh, like they uh, did and Roma. Memories, and yeah. Memories of Murder. Wow. Uh, very good. Cause they're, they're, and maybe there was one other one, but yeah. I saw something. Um, I may have mentioned this too, but if you have not seen Memories of Murder and you are a fan of Parasite, you are only going to love Memories of Murder even more because it's it's that exact style of filmmaking set to uh, South Korea's first and I believe maybe even only documented serial killer. So it's these detect it's a detective story, and you can only imagine Bong Joon Ho doing a a detective story. It's so much fun. I've heard it's so good. Uh, I've heard people compare it a lot to the Swedish Insomnia. Oh yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I mean, it's just like, but I mean, even in that, like he's doing so many things uh, in the frame and and just like playing with um, set design and things like that. Like, like Ingmar Bergman would do, you know, just Uh like, I'm going to follow this, you know, it's going to be one continuous shot through this little restaurant, but we're going to end up here. Then we're going to play this out all in one shot. And then we're going to get, you know, I mean, just like really extremely well thought out where you could have just put a camera down, you know, did a reverse, do the cuts and do it. I mean, like you can tell every single aspect of this was as well thought out as parasite is, you know? Um, I really wish I could find this right now. Alan Zilberman, friend of the pod. Sure. Um, Writer for BYT. He had some interview with Bong Joon-ho. Back, I think Obama was going to show Mother, do a screening of of his movie Mother at the White House. Oh, interesting. And (laughs) damn it, I I can kind of remember how it it basically goes Bong Joon-ho going, oh, really? Uh, It's pretty dark. Uh, it's not, sure you want to do that I, I hope he doesn't think that it's like a family movie <laughs> right, right, right. and then Alan like, explained to him like no I think he likes uh, you know I think he likes interesting work you know I yeah, think he's, he's a pretty cool guy I think he knows what's going on and Bong Joon-ho was just like flattered like oh I'm so glad that he appreciates dark movies as long as he knows it's not like a fun family movie <laughs> I think the US could very quickly adopt Bong Joon-ho and we would all be better for it <laughs> we we would be so lucky. He's also um, he's going to be the guest editor for the March 2020 issue of uh, Sight and Sound. Oh, oh nice! Oh, That'll be fun. cool. Should, yeah. yeah, damn. I'll actually pick it up for sure. <laughs> um, well, speaking of not exactly Marvel, but uh, let's let's move to the DC DC universe. Yeah, yeah universe. you you saw some stuff out in LA, right? Uh, yeah, I went uh, to the Visa. Vista in LA and saw Birds of Prey, which was not on my list of things to see. Um, I, I think I watched part of the Suicide Squad movie. It was so awful. It was unwatchable. Oh, no. it, uh, yeah, I couldn't finish it honestly. I think I watched Justice League on Ambien, and th- it was so <laughs> bad. Uh, Wonder Woman was fine. I think it's like one of the yeah. I mean, Gal Gadot's such a star, and and you know whatever. But yeah, but Chris Pine, you know, is like yeah, kind yeah. of fun. Sure. Uh, if you thought about it too much, I didn't think it held up very well. The politics were fine in it, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I and Joker, I guess, isn't in the DCU. Sure. Again, it was fine. I I far preferred Birds of Prey to nice. even Joker. I think it's the best thing to come out of the DC movie world since Dark Knight Rises. Um. Well, so here, here's a, I'll, I'll fly through my thoughts here. 
Uh, Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. That's already obnoxious. Like, that is the full title of the movie. Right, right. And that's pretty <clears> annoying. <throat> that's the full title? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, Fantabulous Emancipation. Yeah, it's... Right. But, <laughs> so that's obnoxious. But I'll give a lot of credit. I'm going to give it first to the writer. I, I haven't... Christina Hodson, she'd written Bumblebee, which I did not see that. I'm yeah. sh- I can imagine it's fine at best. Uh, however, this... This movie was like very much of now. It was very of the moment. It's very girl power. Um, it's like an ensemble cast of all the birds of prey mm. coming together. It's it's a breakup movie. She break Harley Quinn breaks up with Joker uh, off scene or off screen. Mr. J, right? Mr. J. Yeah. Uh, but the writing, instead of just like a studio trying to piece together some pop culture references and make it feel a little now right it seemed like it was from a writer who maybe is actually in the little world of snarky twitters and and content providers so it just felt a little more real and had an extra layer like it wasn't just surface level on that i mean it's still like a big budget movie but it just did all these things well with a lot of good choreography if it had any fantasy elements it took you there in an interesting way yeah, and I mean, I think this is part of a, a larger conversation on just kind of where we are uh, as moviegoers. But, you know, you and I were talking before the show in, in a case like this where you can take the pieces and parts, you know, and not the sum, but just look at the pieces and parts and go, oh, this was well done. This was well done. Uh-huh. I was entertained for an hour and 45 minutes, yep. you know, or whatever it was. And that's OK. You know, that that's enough for this kind oh, of movie, yeah. you know. Like not everything has to be the greatest thing ever. Yeah, know? it doesn't need to be the greatest thing ever. And also, what what I really liked about this is that essentially these are are bad guys. The, your pra- protagonists oh, right, right, are, kinda, right. are bad guys. Yeah, the, this the, is a better conversation, the, I think. And it uh, it actually let them be bad instead mm-hmm. of like, even even Joker. If anyone saw it, like you know, oh, no, he, he's course. a victim of society and mental illness and. And, and the government. Welfare and, cuts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And being made fun of by uh, elitist TV personality. And that's how you get the Joker. Yeah. And and I'm fine with the being sympathetic to him, but it's just like, why not let a bad character be a bad guy? Why can't... Well, and let us fill in those blanks. You don't have to have a speech about it. You yeah, know? yeah. I mean, we filled all those blanks in on Taxi Driver just fine, and everybody has for the last 45 years, you know? Yeah. Uh, and it doesn't address any of that stuff head on. Yeah, you can... You can actually have a more comp like uncut gems i think it's did this yeah, really well yeah, like, yeah, what yeah. a flawed character but we don't know why he ends up there's no like well i guess my father's alcoholism and gambling addiction with no. him you know came yeah. down to me you don't ever know why he's in the situation he's in he's just in the middle of a bad situation that's getting worse by the minute and he's an abusive character himself and he's, he's awful a, he's awful <laughs> yeah. there's no there's no moral reason you should root for him. Very little redeeming qualities except for the fact that you just root for Adam Sandler. And uh, the Harley Quinn character. Okay, one, Margot Robbie is just a, a blast to watch. I remember in, so the, much. in the Suicide Squad movie, her accent was all over the place. I heard that movie was just scraped together off the cutting room floor. Like They couldn't get everyone in the same scene. Right, it was made right. over two years. Had It sucked. For a lot of reasons, but just had no vision. It was, it was real pieced together. Yeah, felt and, that way. And she yeah. was kind of inconsistent in it. And I know she's a good actress, so I was like, that's kind of odd. She she does a great Brooklyn accent in Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. Um, and this, her accent's awesome. It 
people did note that it's very similar to Bernie Sanders. <laughs> she even notes in the movie that she's a Bernie voter, so she's you know she gets some props for that. That's um, cool. But she just it she rolls into a police station with a shotgun filled with glitter bean bags and just roughs up a whole police force. It is awesome. It doesn't. <laughs> they let the bad guy like actually do some awful right. things. She gives a kid alcohol. She is whooping police ass all the time. And she, she does bad things. She's annoying. She's a little condescending to like the Chinese man that she lives above. And then he fucks her over. Like right. everyone's fine being kind of bad to each other. And I just wish movies would let like get rid of having to have some moral compass on characters. Like let them be flawed. And she's still fun. You root for her. And there's all these, you do see, that you know, men are evil. They get to do the fun girl power and just like shit talk, man. But it's not exactly relying on their uh, coordination with men. Also, right. like they actually get to be just like badass women. Rosie Perez is in it as a cop who gets her badge taken away and then is a badass. Is a badass. Like, yeah. So Rosie Perez is great. Uh, Mary Elizabeth Winsett, I always like her. Yeah, yeah. She's a funny character, like. Everyone calls her the crossbow killer, but she insists that she's a huntress as her character name. And they just make a good riff of like, you know what? Even if you get good at martial arts or something, you're coming up with a dumbass alter ego to be a comic book character. So they're making fun of that when it takes you into uh, interesting world building. Like they did Gotham felt a little more like L.A. this time. There's Mm. warehouse districts. That's all fun. Like it's good. It takes you eventually you get to a uh, abandoned like dystopian Coney Island that's been nice. run down for 30 yeah. years. And Come it's on. Like, that's, that's a great setting yeah. for, for hitting... She, she beats up people with a hammer, with a comically large hammer. Like oh, it, yeah, like the sledgehammer for the bell. Yeah, know, exactly. Kind of and yeah, it, yeah. Feels, it feels like 60s Batman when it wants to. It's very colorful, right. great art direction. And aside from like the raid or John Wick, some of the best choreography for a long time. It's not a lot of CGI fighting. It's not a lot of... It's over right. the top in a fun choreography way, not over the top in, in on, the execution on, of it. Yeah. There's gravity. Gravity right, exists. Right, right, uh, right, right. Things like that. It's, yeah. it's fun. Uh, so I recommend it, and I never thought I'd say this. I wish that this DC movie was making more money because they actually seem like they had some good substance and could make another movie off of this. And right. it just looks like the numbers aren't there. Because they've just done such a horrible job of doing yeah, these DC they've got Yeah, they've gotten such bad press for so long, and deservedly so. I mean, they've just done a horrible job with, with DC uh, as a whole. And, you know, I think there's a little bit of that that just carries over. That oh, stains yeah. always on the next thing that's coming out already. There's a knock against it that you're DC, you know. And that's fair. No, that's I, what I mean. All of that's that's fair, but you need to be able to, as a critic or as a you know a moviegoer, to kind of rise above, you know, categorize that, put it in your hip pocket, and go in and see the movie with you know clear eyes. Yeah, you know? I th- here's the thing: is I think they kind of wasted that with Joker because Joker right. did its own standalone thing. Meanwhile, there's a whole DC universe that they're trying to make happen. Sure. There's another Wonder Woman coming out soon, so they're oh, like, very much. Yeah. They're still trying to make DC universe happen. But at the same time, they've just recast Batman. It sounds like a totally different direction they're going with Robert Pattinson. Fine with that. Sure. They did a one-off with Joker that'll probably turn it to its own DC <laughs> right. universe. Uh, 
so they just have no focus. They're not even sticking yeah. with whatever their plan was. Well, and again, I mean, this is we're we're talking about something we've talked about before, but I mean, that's the difference between DC and Marvel, right? Yeah, yeah. There's there there are you know myriad reasons why um, it's problematic from the Marvel side too, and sure, from sure. a creative standpoint, all those things are all valid points. Except what you do have to give them is they know what they want. They get what they want and they deliver what the fans want. Oh, yeah. You know, everyone is knows when they're going in to see a Marvel movie that if, if they're on bar on board with Marvel and what they're doing, they're just going to have a great time because yeah. they're not going to surprise you and throw any, you know, hard lefts or hard rights at you. I think a big part of what, what Marvel's success is this whole Kevin Feige mm-hmm. running the thing. And don't get me wrong. Like, I think if there's a janitor at Marvel who reads comics, he could come up with a better version of the whole universe than Kevin Feige. It's just the fact that they have one person yeah. kind of keeping everything on. They delegate. Yeah. yeah, they delegate people what what different directors make movies, but what But Shane even Smith those make one. yeah, but yeah. even those directors like Favreau, I mean, they know what they're getting in Favreau. Favreau's a company guy. Oh, you know, yeah. for good or bad, you know, there there are good and bad aspects of that. I mean, again, you know, he's willing to play ball and stay within the the parameters of what Iron Man and the Avengers needs to be, uh-huh. but it also takes someone like that who can have those conversations at an executive level, you know, and Jeff Bridges said that in oh, an interview sure. it was just like, here's the thing about John Favreau. He's a great communicator with actors because he's an actor. He knows how to talk to writers because he's a writer. He can direct like anybody and he understands the business that he's in and can have those conversations with the president you know, uh-huh. of Marvel, just as easy as he can have a conversation with his DP or anybody else on set. Oh, for sure. You know, that takes that kind of guy to make that movie over and over. You know, and I'll say this, you know, I, as someone who pretty much enjoys all the Marvel movies, but I think they have a ceiling for how good oh, sure. they could be as art or cinema, which is, it's a low ceiling, but yeah. I enjoy most of them. And it's because Favreau, the guy's yeah. got a, he's got a, He's got a good knack for comic timing. Oh, he's got a great sense of humor. He's wonderful in the Spider-Man movies, like where sure. he's truly acting. You know, I mean, he's still got and chops. Swingers made. I mean, he made some good indie comedies. That, yeah, yeah. That, I mean, he he did the you know the classic Hollywood story. You know, like yep. moved out to L.A., wrote a great script, managed to get it off the ground, had a great star in Vince Vaughn and a friend, and then just went into the studio system and said, I I can play in here. You know. So I'll, I'll say this about Birds of Prey, and it, I think it has to do with the DC model, is because DC has never got to focus, and their movies have kind of been tailspinning and critically slammed, and, and the numbers well have been kind of diminishing, yeah. um, I think they were willing to let uh, like Christina Hodson and, oh, who's the director of this, uh, Kathy Yan, yeah. I think they let them take some risks and let them, like, like, you know what? We don't know what we're doing. Right, obviously. You guys yeah. have some fun with this. Right. And I think they did. And it's just too bad that uh, the victim of how poorly the, their whole vision has been is Birds of Prey. Like, they mm-hmm. actually had a good movie that could actually be its own little spinoff. They could have had a couple movies on this if right. they just hadn't bungled the last few. Um, but go see it. Yeah, uh, it's definitely <laughs> paying for the sins of previous movies, it feels like. I, I thought so. I... I it's a way different direction than the Nolan movies, but the best 
I think the best output they've done since those. Okay. And I don't feel bad for any Warner Brothers DC producers, but unfortunately it just sucks that they're probably going to say like, they're not going to take any more risks on Christina Hudson or Kathy Ann. They're going to still let uh, Zack Snyder (laughs) waste 300 million on something, but they probably won't let something fun do it. That's fair. So go see it. Go see it before it's out. Um, Uh, What's coming? Anything coming out in the world? Oh, one thing's coming out in the world that I'm excited about. <laughs> this is almost f- feel cliche of us even talking about. Oh, that. Of course, but I'm not, pl- as, I'm not as excited. You're not as See, excited. I, all right, Shut the I, front I already door. know. I already know your whole angle, and I hate oh, it. Oh God! <laughs> all right, let's like, okay, we're done with white people, and I'm fine with that. Whoa, no, because no. <laughs> I'm totally fine with that. But if we let, if we, if one manages. To be not executed also, out yeah, of the white directors? I, well, that's not where I was going. But. Okay. All right. I, Why, what we're talking about, first of all, yeah. <laughs> just to catch everybody up who's we're frustratingly scratching their Favre. heads. Um, Wes Anderson has a new film that's coming out this summer uh, in July called The French Dispatch, which is back to live action, back to like the biggest, most insane, eclectic cast of characters and, and actor, obviously actors that um, anybody's ever seen. If you if you're familiar at all with Wes Anderson, then you you understand like his scope of you know, crazy characters and and getting unusual I'd say unusual actors to to fill those roles right the Tilda Swinton oh yeah yeah the Willem Dafoe's the Adrian Brody's you know these kind of alien people and I I hear it's loosely based off of a New Yorker, a fictionalized New Yorker. Yeah, yeah. Some of magazine. the characters are like really based on, you know, former editors or writers at the New Yorker and, and all of that. Uh, and I see why that makes people want to puke. Like I get sure. how that's oh, it's insufferable. Like, yeah, exactly. It's immediately like New York pretentious. Right? Oh, absolutely. Um, that said, there's a book, uh, that came out a few years ago called the impressionist or the imperfectionist. Sorry. Um, I'm going to look it up real quick, sorry. Uh, but it, it reminds me of that, and that, that is about, um, again, kind of a U.S. dispatch uh, during, uh, I want to say, like post-World War II and into the, like the 60s and stuff, but like those U.S. little hubs of U.S. reporters all living under one roof uh-huh. and like sending stuff out. And it's such a great, premise for uh-huh. a movie because you do have all those guys like a Hemingway type coming in sure, to sure. send his stuff off to the Kansas City Star and yep. then you can follow him for a little bit in his antics and you know I don't know anything about this movie other than the trailer which is great watch it like four uh, times yeah it's really good um, but I'm curious Dave yeah I want to hear where, it. where are your perspectives coming from I'm, I'm really uh, curious I I just don't care. I don't know. I, I watched... Uh, I th- yeah, we've had a similar conversation to this. I, uh, I did watch a funny thing on YouTube that was like sort of breaking down every Wes Anderson movie. Uh, on one hand, it was like, oh, okay, but that's actually kind of a cool thing. But then there are... It's just kind of the same thing over and over again. But And I understand the flip side of that argument is it's the same thing as something that's well done. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, I think I there's... I just... Yeah, I don't know. I, I was bored by the trailer except for the music. I, I immediately tried to find out. Oh, it's what a half cover of Aline. It's okay. a cover of Christoph's Aline. I was upset that they didn't use the actual Christoph song. Uh, well, um, there are two different. Okay, maybe anyway. there's another song on there. Yeah. 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 
Uh, I, give I, us more. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I kind of understand your argument. I'm, I'm not knocking it. I would just kind of say, like, I feel there are certain filmmakers and, and some of our favorites are, are, are very much this way. Jim Jarmusch is, is very much this way. Godard's very much this Like, they're making kind of the same movie over and over again, right? Uh, like, sure. just taking a different tact or a different premise to use, you know, uh, as a way to, to kind of uh, propel the, the plot and the story forward. But it's essentially kind of this zany cast of characters that are going to get into some mischief and we're going to see yeah. some... You know, cool things happen and some fun dialogue and some of the, you know, funnest uh, set design and production design that you're going to have to look at all year. And for me, and I think we this goes back to our conversation originally, Dave, my take on all of that is if I get 10 more Wes Anderson live action movies in my lifetime, you know, I'll take it. That's sure. fun. I know what I'm Here's getting. My credit card info. But I'm yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm on board, you know, sure. same as I would be with Jarmusch or, you know, many of these other directors. Well, so I definitely see the Jarmusch Godard thing. I've always kind of thought that like definitely with the Godard. Like, you know, Godard had the same style, but Godard and Jarmusch are lazy as fuck and don't put anything else into it. Wes Anderson puts so much Oh, the level of detail is insane. <laughs> he just puts so much effort. He doesn't phone it in the way that... I mean, Dead Don't Die is phoned in. A lot of drama... It's his cool thing is he phones stuff in. Mm-hmm. Wes Anderson, one, doesn't. I definitely... I think we should all criticize it for... It's going to be a damn SNL skit. It's a, it's a Wes Anderson movie based off the New Yorker. It deserves criticism at a surface oh, level. Oh, and poked fun at and all those things. Abs- That's fine. That's all fair Absolutely. game. Absolutely. Yeah. It deserves it for certain... But it's also ableist. The guy is obviously OCD. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, he's insane. Like, Wes Anderson's nuts. Uh, I, I would hope, and I'm, based off the trailer, I'm hopeful, and I could be wrong. I think he might be putting a little more into it. I think with Grand Budapest, he touched on actually having some fun with some actual politics a little bit. Mm-hmm. And he, he does a thing where he kind of, obsesses over these characters and their nuance and their uh, oddities and their neurosis. And I think maybe we, we've had enough of that to an extent and we still, and we have other directors doing, Noah Baumbach's still doing that. Oh, Noah Baumbach's fantastic. I'm hopeful in this one that he's gonna dig in a little more and he does sometimes. He flirts with like decent politics and decent class observation sometimes. Right. You know, he, kind of use them in a silly way. I think way. you said it right. I think it's observation. I don't think he often, he doesn't often take a stand. He's just commenting on its existence, you know? Yeah. Well, for instance, I remember like Darjeeling Limited, mm-hmm. the uh, SF Gate or SF Chronicles. San Francisco paper, I remember sure. that year, put it as their, their number one top worst movies of the year. Oh, wow. And I was like, you're missing it. This is making... I love Darjeeling. I love Darjeeling. It's making it's my fun favorite of, of all of his films. annoying liberals. Like, yeah. it, the whole thing is making fun of those main characters. There's three rich brothers who go on a spiritual journey. Oh, yeah. I mean, one of the guys' wife's pregnant at home. I mean, these are not likable characters yeah. either. You know, like, these guys are... They're, even if they're likable, they're so jacked up. You know, There's yeah. so much wrong with them. Well, and he's pointing at it. I mean, it couldn't be more obvious that... He's making a comment on, you know, the idea that we're going to, that the three of us would get on a train and go find ourselves and, in 2010 well, or whatever. Like, come on. And like oriental fetishization. I, I think sure. he, he is what he is. He's of a certain, you know, he's from 
Texas, but he's pretty much a pretentious New Yorker. Oh, yeah. He's aware of that, but I think he's willing to, like, not hold back on criticizing that trope that he is. Like, I, I really do think he, he, maybe he isn't, maybe he is just, like, obsessed with that insular world, but he seems to be, like, poking, more than just poking fun, like, showing how flawed and shallow it is and having fun with that. And it, he, he is what he is. He's in the group that he's in. I think he does great work. I just, you know, I, I get. I'm just all not excited about. It. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. So yeah, I'm not. Good. I'm not like. Oh God. About well, I, it. I just. I was like, okay, fine. Like, whatever. Have you been that way on most of his films, like Tenenbaums and and others? I no, mean, I mean, I Grand didn't. Budapest. I felt the same about Isle of Dogs. I haven't even seen it. Oh, I just didn't. It's good. I didn't. This is worst. I didn't care. I right. Know. Um, I I, I heard, felt the same way about Jarmusch after a certain point too. Like I didn't. I've heard Patterson is good. I want to see that. Every, Patterson's amazing. Yeah, I I don't want to see the Dead Don't Die because literally everyone <laughs> said it's terrible. But. Yeah, I it saw it three times. It's pretty bad. So bad. <laughs> <laughs> it was so, and it made a lot of people's top ten list. I don't get it. <laughs> but I also don't like. I probably like less of Godard's movies than I do. Like he's he's put out so much. Oh, stuff. I think anything like, after sixty five is a gamble. Yeah, <laughs> like, yes. He had he had a sequence of films for about five years, half a decade, where he and Truffaut were probably the two most important filmmakers alive at that moment, along with maybe Cassavetes. Um, and after that, it's it's he just starts getting it's a super political. Yeah, you know, and, and Maoist, and I mean, like not not just like political in terms of France, but like Slightly in terms theatrical. of humanity. Yeah. yeah, like on a large scale political. And I'm fine with that he, part. It's just well, I also think like he just didn't care anymore about telling story. He was telling, "I'm giving you a message yeah, and my his, thoughts yeah, on yeah, the yeah. way the world is." I know? saw some. I don't even remember the name of it, but I saw something of his that spectacle one time and i retained nothing like yeah. I, sure. <laughs> I just was like this is dreadful it was a lot of just images and a lot of his words which is Fine. art i guess yeah it's very art it's very art yeah and you'll never hear that, me criticize the chairman but uh <laughs> i don't think he does a lot with his mouth <laughs> yeah <clears throat> no praxis i do think uh the thing is with wes anderson with the isle of dogs for instance that was like probably the my that's the worst movie of his, in my mind. Oh, by far to um, me as well. <clears throat> that being said, it was a blast to watch. It was, <laughs> it was fun. I could just watch the his his uh, animation style forever. And mm. I, I've heard people say that that should have been a TV show, actually, because he had all these oh, other right, directions so he wanted to go in. He had yeah. all these backstories for all the dogs. Um, this whole scene of... Uh, he wanted to do this thing about the uh, mascots at baseball games. He had all these yeah, other see, stories. Yeah, see, this is where I think into. he does tend to get himself into a little bit of trouble. When it doesn't work, I think he's picking those wrong elements. Oh, you yeah. know what I mean? Like he'll go down a little bit of a rabbit hole. He won't like fully commit. And so I feel like you're almost better off just to fully commit and go go that direction because we'll follow you to a, to a point but when he has so much, such a wealth of information uh-huh. he has to put into an hour and 45 minutes, you know, sometimes that just doesn't work. It's just too much. Like you said, maybe a television show would have been a better venue for that. Maybe. You know, yeah. maybe. Uh, real quick, let's, let's just rattle off some of the cast and oh my gosh, about man. how many 
Oscar nominations they've had, or this team. And then uh, let's play the rest of the Sandler speech after that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, just to, I'll, I'll do a, you know, kind of a cast rundown, and, and we can talk about the, the crew as well. But, I mean, I just, this weekend, like, sitting on my couch, watching that trailer, and just, like, not even looking at it on, like, IMDb or anything, but just, like, seeing it there first. I was like, I think there's, like, you know, four or five Oscar winners in there. There's, you know, there's got to be two or three dozen nominations. I quit counting at 80 oh. <laughs> when I went in. It was like, Damn. there's so many. But, okay, Timothy Chalamet, um, Saoirse Ronan, um, Ed Norton, oh. Willem Dafoe, Tilda Swinton, Christopher Waltz, Bill Murray, Adrian Brody, Owen Wilson, Benicio Del Toro, Francis McDormand. Jeffrey Wright. Jeffrey Wright. I mean, like the um, Jason Schwartzman, Fisher Stevens, Angelica Houston. Uh, I'm, You know, it He's just goes on and on. Henry Winkler's in this. Bob Balaban, you know, like these great, great people are in this. Um, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a blast. I'll bite. I mean, if I'm disappointed, fine. But it looks it looks damn fun. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, come on. Robert Yeoman's. Back again and and DPing this thing, you know. I mean, he did Grand Budapest and, and Moonrise Kingdom for him, and and you know has done so many great things as as DP, you know, going back to the early eighties. Um, and the symmetry is going to be great. That's going to yeah. It's going to be one of the most symmetrical movies of twenty twenty. Yes. All right. Should we uh, let's listen to the rest of Sandler yeah. uh, give his speech? I I recommend listening to the whole thing. Go and watch it. This yeah, is him. yeah. See Uncut Gems if you haven't. I mean, absolutely. But you know, Sandler is in perfect form. I think in this acceptance speech, it would have been so fun to see him at the Oscars. But he is know. trolling the Oscars. Yeah, he yeah, being for sure. Insufferable Adam Sandler. Just so you know, because we didn't give him credit for Uncut Gems, he's back on his bullshit. And oh here, yeah, yeah. Here Get he ready. is. Let's play it. Thanks, Alexia. <laughs> I stand before you trembling with thankful glee as I receive the so-called best actor trophy, independently speaking, of course. <laughs> First off, it is a gr- it's great to see our host, Aubrey Plaza, again. Aubrey and I did a movie entitled Funny People 11 years ago. That was actually the last time critics pretended not to hate me for five fucking minutes. <laughs> Catch you in another 11 years, Aubrey. Okay. I'd like to also give a shout out to my fellow nominees who will now and forever be known as the guys who lost to fucking Adam Sandler. <laughs> uh, how did that happen? Independent movie, Adam Sandler? To get my movie, I had to live in my car outside of fucking Ralph's. Begging for nickels on fucking Kickstarter. And all Sandler had to do was get uh, Ted Sarando stoned. A few, you know, a few weeks back when I was quote-unquote snubbed by the Academy. It reminded me when I briefly attended high school and was overlooked for the coveted yearbook superlative category, Best Looking. (laughs) That accolade was given to a jean jacket-wearing feather-haired douchebag by the name of Skipper Jenkins. But my classmates did honor me with the allegedly less prestigious designation of best personality and tonight as I look around this room I realize the independent spirit awards are the best personality awards of Hollywood 
<laughs> so, <laughs> let all those feathered hand douchebag motherfuckers get their Oscars tomorrow night. Their handsome good looks will fade in time. <laughs> While our independent personalities will shine on forever. <laughs> Buddy, I've got more. I'm sorry, I gotta cruise through this. But in all seriousness, independent films have been a big part of the Adam Sandler ecosystem. From my first film, a fearless look into the American education system through the eyes of a privileged sociopath by the name of Billy fucking Madison. <laughs> to, to my searing exploration of American college foosball and its manipulation of socially challenged athletes like the Mr. Bobby Boucher. I have tried to sell my truths with a truly independent spirit while also cashing some truly disturbingly large paychecks. Thank <laughs> you.